Welcome to episode four of the John Eager Show. Really cool show today. Jerry DePaola joins us. Jerry's a beat writer down in Pittsburgh. Uh, he covers five teams, the University of Pittsburgh football and basketball squads, the Steelers, the Penguins, and the Pirates. Uh, we talk about what it's like to be a Pittsburgh sports fan right now, uh, their current state of mind. Big shout out to Toronto artist La Hilo. La Hilo uh, put together a new intro track for the John Eager Show. Excited for uh, that debut. I uh, hope you all enjoy the show. Yeah. Hot info on a John Igger show. On point with his takes like it's bingo. Appreciate, never hate, that's the lingo. Money dance, touchdown, Ocho Cinco. Hot info on a John Igger show. On point with his takes like it's bingo. Appreciate, never hate, that's the lingo. Money dance, touchdown, Ocho Cinco. Hot info, hot info, hot info. Hot info, hot info, hot info. John Igger, John Igger, John Igger. Show. Yeah, yeah. Hot info on a John Igger show. On point with his takes like it's bingo. Appreciate, never hate, that's the lingo. Money dance, touchdown, Ocho Cinco. Joining me now is one of America's most respected sports columnists. He's been covering sports in Pittsburgh since 1986. You can find his work at Trib Total Media, covering Pitt football, Pitt basketball, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Pittsburgh, excuse me, the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's a five-tool player, Jerry DiPaola. Thanks so much for hopping on. How are you today? I'm doing well. Did I get the last name right? DePaula. DePaula. It's DePaula. I oversee. Um. Okay, so I brought you on to talk about talk about a couple of different things. I'm really interested in your thoughts on the current state of Pittsburgh sports, all five teams. Um, But first I want to ask you about, uh, you you have a vote in the AP football pool, correct? I certainly do. So how does, how does that process uh, work? Just someone from, from Toronto uh, college football isn't necessarily the most covered uh, topic uh, in the sports media uh, up here. So, how, how does one get onto the AP football pool? Well, I covered Pitt football. It's, this is my 10th season. I covered it since the 2011 season, the year they hired Todd Graham, stuck around five minutes, and then he was uh, gone after that season. And um, the guy who, was, who had the vote, the AP vote, uh, you know, for the Pittsburgh region and I guess in all Pennsylvania, was a, was a guy named Sam Werner who went from the uh, Pitt football beat to the Penguins beat. And he went to the Penguins beat. He couldn't be on the uh, voting panel anymore for college college football. So the uh, AP guy in Pittsburgh asked me if I wanted to take it, and I did. And um, it's uh, an, an interesting um, interesting job. What I try to do is on, on Saturdays, of course, we cover Pitt. Uh, I don't get a chance to see all the games, but I you know come home after writing my stories and I sit down and, and I consume as much college football as I can. I watched the eight o'clock game. If Pitt's not playing at night, I watched. Well, when the Pac-12 was playing, I would watch the the late night Pac-12 game till about two in the morning, uh, just to get a sense of uh, the football in the Pac-12. I guess we'll have to start doing that in a couple of weeks when the Pac-12 gets back. Um, so I just try to watch as much college football as I can during Thursday night, Tuesday night, whenever they play games. Uh, and and to tell you a little little story that you might be interested in yeah. this year we did the uh, the preseason ballot every year we do a preseason ballot and um pitt was not giving even one vote in the uh, in the preseason poll you had them at 17 is that right 
I had him nowhere. I didn't rank them at all in the preseason. Oh, I read that. I, I, I ranked Pitt maybe 17, maybe two weeks into the season after they beat Louisville. That must have been it. Okay. Um, but then they started on their four-game losing streak. Yeah, we'll get into it. But as far as pre- the preseason goes, nobody – there's 60, 62 voters, and none of us put Pitt among the top 25. So we're on a Zoom conference call just like this one with Pat Narduzzi one day before the season, a few days before the first game against Austin P. And one of the writers asked him, uh, Pat, what do you think about your team not getting any votes in the AP poll this week uh, for the preseason poll? And he goes, well, I don't really follow that stuff too closely, and I don't worry about it too much. And then the guy said to him, do you know the voter you know, in the, in the Pittsburgh region is on a Zoom call right now? And Pat goes, who is it? I want to know who it is. So we're on a Zoom call, and you know, we can see, we can see our faces. So I put my hand up very sheepishly and said, it's me. <laughs> I've known Pat a long time. I mean, uh, he, I, I covered him when he got at his introductory news conference the day after Christmas 2014. And then I followed him to the uh, Cotton Bowl as Michigan State's defensive coordinator a week later. That was his last game as a Michigan State defensive coordinator before he took the job at Pitt. So I've known him a long time, and we we get along fairly well. He gets mad at me a lot because I ask about injuries and I ask ask, ask him questions he doesn't like to answer. But he he and after I put my hand up and say I'm the one I'm the voter, he says Jerry, why? <laughs> I had to explain to him. I says, well, well, Pat, you know you, you, your season didn't end too well last year. You lost three three of your last five games. You know, all you did was beat Eastern Michigan in a bowl game, you know, not, not, a, not a great bowl victory. And then you lose Jalen Twyman, the preseason All-American defensive tackle. He decided to opt out and didn't play this year. Uh, and I said, that's a big loss for you. And uh, so, I, you know, I think you're going to have a good season, but I just didn't put you in the top 25 to start the season. And <clears throat> after we were done with the call, he, he kind of bought that a little bit. And he started talking about, you know, he, he was making some kind of derogatory comments about the voters which I kind of ignored. And then after the call was over, I received a text message from him. And he says, Jerry, if I can't count on you, who can I count on? Oh my I wanted to say to him, Pat, it's not up for me. You can't count on me. I'm just a writer. I don't do anything for the team. I don't work for the team or the university. He didn't quite get that. But uh, it, it was an interesting concept. And then, you know, they started out 3-0. and They beat Austin P. you know, you know, which was a kind of a joke of a game because they had a running club. They, they, that's what the second half, they changed the quarters from 15 minutes to 10 minutes because Pitt was just dominating so much in that game. Then they beat Syracuse and they played poorly, but they beat them at home. They beat Louisville, which is a decent Louisville team, not a great Louisville team. Uh, and I, I guess I, I did, I might've had them ranked as high as 17 at that point, but they were in the top 25 after they started winning. They got into the top 25, I think the highest, as high as 21 with a consensus. And then um, after uh, they, then they start losing and they lost four in a row and they've lost four in a row. They haven't been back in since and won't get back in at all. So you always know there's an issue with the football team when the best player is a punter. <laughs> they, they do have a pretty good putter. And the funny thing about Chris Tadulu, the kid from Australia, is he was benched last year, late in the season. He wasn't punting that well. And, you know, he had, he had, he had, he had some, he's had some bad games at, at Pitt, actually. When they lost to Penn State a few years ago in the rain at Heinz Field, 51 to 6, he, he was a holder and he, he dropped a, uh, a snap one, one time and he had a bad punt. And 
got a punt block this year, as a matter of fact, got a punt block this year in the, in the, um, in the, uh, Notre Dame game, you know, where the guy just came running through, but yeah, I don't know if he's the best player on the team, but he's not a bad punter. Um, so on the defense, they have a, I would say Pittsburgh has a definitely a below, uh, excuse me, above average pass rush. He could might be even able to say they're excellent. They've been pretty solid except for Notre he, Dame. They weren't is, able yeah. to, uh, against Notre Dame. They weren't able to get on the board at all. Um, like you mentioned, they Pittsburgh's really struggled in October. They're winless and, and right. They lost four games in October. Um, it's the first time, by the way, they went over October since 1995. Wow. When Johnny Majors, Johnny Majors second time was the coach. A long time ago. Would you say, uh, would you say their struggles have been um, more of a foundation uh, or not a foundation, but struggles internally, or is it just simple as uh, their senior quarterback Kenny Pickett's been hurt for the past couple of games? They have. Well, I, I think losing Pickett is a big losing Pickett is a big part of it. Uh, I still think with Pickett they would have lost to Miami and Notre Dame. He played up through the Boston College game, uh, and in fact, he played the fourth quarter in overtime in Boston College with that with that uh, injured left ankle, which might have been part of the reason they couldn't do too much. But he did. He did. He, he led them to a, to a tying to, to a a touchdown in overtime, and he ran for a couple uh, first downs on fourth down uh, on that bad ankle. Uh, that's probably a part of it, but the biggest part of it, and there's a lot of things. They, they make some mistakes on defense. They got guys run free in the secondary, but their offensive line is average at best, maybe not even average. Uh, the running backs, again, are average at best. Uh, they have no running game at all. Whoever the quarterback is, whether it's Kenny Pickett or Joe Yellen, uh, he can't depend on his running game to, to take some pressure off the passing game. So teams just sort of forget about the run because they know Pitt can't do it. And, and they, you know, uh, clog up the passing lanes. That's been a big problem. I don't, Pitt receivers aren't bad, but they just don't get a whole lot of separation, uh, you know, to get, get open. And I think part of it is the other team is they're, they're putting maybe seven or eight guys in the secondary, and it makes it very difficult to, to find an opening to throw it. And then losing Pickett for the last two games hurt, but they would have lost to Notre Dame anyway. They probably would have lost to Miami anyway, even with Pickett, in my opinion. So do you like what head coach Pat Mar- Marduzzi has done so far uh, with this program, or do you think there's still a lot more room for improvement? This is oh, there's, still there's, to a get ton of, there's a ton of room for improvement. Now, you know, he's, he's won eight games three times out of his first five seasons. And Pitt hadn't won uh, – Dave Wanstead won nine and ten uh, in the two different seasons. But uh, – when Paul Chris was here and Todd Graham was here and for those four seasons, the best they did was seven and in Pat's won eight, three times, but still this was supposed to be the year that they were going to have a, a team that he had put together his defense, his players. Uh, he, he built his reputation as a defensive coordinator at Michigan state. And they had really good, uh, really good defense at Michigan state. And the defense really pit never really started to function until so last season for a while, uh, then they gave out a bunch of points to Eastern Michigan and they ended up winning the game in the quick lane bowl. But this year, you know, they were supposed to come back with a lot of seniors on defense, a uh, Paris Ford, uh, their strong safety is probably going to be drafted as a junior. Damar Hamlin, their free safety probably will be drafted. as. Then their two defensive ends, uh, Patrick Jones, a second and Rashad Weaver, probably the two or three best defensive ends in the ACC, uh, and they were coming back. Weaver's coming off an injury. And those guys are going to be drafted. I Jones has even been mentioned in some mock drafts that I've seen as a as a possible first-round draft pick. 
but they were shot out in Notre Dame, by the way. Uh, Notre Dame's offensive line, which has a lot of experience and a lot of size, shut out those two ends, you know, who were really, you know, two of the best pass rushers in, in the ACC. And they did nothing you know, against Notre Dame, uh, which was a big part of that game. Um, but he, he has a Pat has a long way to go. You, you know, he, he hasn't really recruited that well on the offensive side of the ball. Like I said, the offensive line, other than Jimmy Morrissey, they're all ACC center. Is, like I said, very uh, poor is probably a good way to describe it. They just don't get a lot of, uh, they, they allow too much penetration by the uh, front seven of the other team. And then the running backs, I mean, had two good running backs uh, two years ago with Claudre Olson and Darren Hall. They both ran for a thousand yards. Uh, but since then, the running game has just been nowhere. And which is uh, under Mark Whipple, they fired um, Sean Watson as your offensive coordinator after the 2018 season and brought in Mark Whipple who, who coached in the NFL, coached at a lot of college teams with good reputation. Uh, and the passing game's gotten a little bit better uh, over the well, past two years, but the running game has gone nowhere. And that has to be laid right at the feet of Whipple and Narduzzi. So I don't know if this necessarily relates so much with Pittsburgh or if it's more just a general uh, question. How does a mid-major program, I'd say like Pittsburgh, uh, become relevant. And I mean that in the nicest way possible. They're typically, you mentioned Narduzzi has over, has eight, eight wins in three seasons, but typically I'd say Pitt is just a, a bit over 500 every year. How, how does right. a, a average program take that next uh, step forward into becoming a, a prominent program? Well, Pitt is, is more than a mid-major too. I, I think they're, they're in the ACC, one of the power five conferences and uh, you know, they, they can become relevant I thought they were becoming relevant uh, a couple years ago when they actually went to the ACC championship game uh, to play Clemson. They got beat badly right. in that game, but then they go to the Sun Bowl uh, and they play a, a average, a below average Stanford team, and they get beat thirteen to twelve. Uh, you know that that season was, was you know, they ended up going to the championship game, but they also ended the season on a three game losing streak. But the way for Pitt to become relevant is to win some big games. I mean, they've done it in the past. They beat. Penn State, um, when, the year Penn State won the Big Ten, um, then they lost the next three games at Penn State in the next three seasons. Remember 2016, they upset Clemson in Death Valley. You know, with, Was that with uh, famous Nathan Peterman at quarterback? Yes, Nathan right. Peterman was quarterback, James Conner running back. Uh, they won it with, with Chris Blue at field goal uh, late in that game, uh, the last play of the game, I believe. And uh, so they beat Clemson when they won the national championship that year. Pitt knocked them off the same year they beat Penn State. So they beat Penn State and Clemson in the same season. You think they might be on their way. 2017 comes along. They go five and seven. Okay. And at the end of that season, which is very interesting, Pat Narduzzi gets a contract extension through the 2024 season. And he's gotten a couple, uh, he's gotten a couple um, raises since then. He's up around $4 million a year now. Uh, and as far as relevancy goes, maybe don't lose to Boston College. Maybe don't lose uh, to North Carolina State. Uh, you know, if, if Pitt was 5-2 and two right now, they had two one-point losses to NC State and Boston College. They're 5-2 and two right now. People could accept a loss at Miami and a loss to Notre Dame. Notre Dame probably going to play in a college football playoff. They're very good. Uh, they're one of the top four, four teams in the country, in my opinion. Um, so they were 5-2 and two right now with the bye week coming up and uh, two games is going to coming up against Florida State and Georgia Tech. Wow, there'd be a chance to be seven and two, you know, with only two games left in the season. And then they would play a Virginia Tech team at home, which is probably, you know, a little better than average. 
So Pitt had a chance this season to win eight or nine games. And they haven't been able to do that because he, they lose these one-point games. And a lot of it is, is uh, I hate to use the cliche, shooting themselves in the foot. They make mistakes. The penalties, are, they have too many penalties. They had 12 penalties against, uh, uh, in, against Notre Dame. You know, first of all, you're playing Notre Dame. And, you know, you, you're already outmanned as it is. Then you commit 12 penalties for about 93 yards, and, and that just sets you back. And they're one of the most penalized teams in the country, which is what you wouldn't expect from a team that has all these seniors. A lot of seniors, a lot of juniors, a lot of experienced guys, and uh, they, create, they drop passes, they commit penalties, uh, they can't run the ball, they can't do the basics. And, you know, a lot of it has to, has to be related to foot of coaching, in my opinion. Cool. Um, so last in question. recruiting, too. They haven't recruited well on the offensive side of the ball. So um, I was going to say last question. I mean, now last, last question about pit football. Uh, it's interesting you bring up recruiting because I was, when I was doing some research for this interview, I'm just trying to pull up the article now. It, it, I was looking at Pittsburgh's recruiting class and they've been decent. I, I, like, I think they've been average around 30th best class, 35th best class. So are they just not paying the recruits enough money? <laughs> well, this year's class, the, the, one that, that, the one that hasn't signed yet, which is supposed to sign in December, um, this year's class is one of the best in the country. It's a top 25 class right now. They've, they've gotten some kids that are very highly regarded from states like Virginia and Florida, a couple from uh, Pennsylvania. Pat Narduzzi has had some trouble recruiting Western Pennsylvania in the past. Uh, Phil Jakovic, the quarterback at Boston College, who ended up, he went to Notre Dame, then transferred to Boston College. You know, he, he had no chance to get him. Miles Sanders, the running back for Philadelphia Eagles right now, went to Woodland Hills High School right here in Pittsburgh. He ended up going to Penn State. Lamont Wade, uh, he's a starting safety at Penn State. Uh, that would have been a great get for Pitt. But he hasn't gotten a lot of those local kids. Uh, and, and we saw it on, on Sunday or Saturday when they played uh, Notre Dame. Uh, Kurt Heinisch, defensive tackle, went to Central Catholic, right down the street from the Pitt's campus. And he ended up going to Notre Dame. You know, and, and uh, it's a lot of competition in, in, in recruiting. I, I understand that, but you got to get some of these local kids and you just haven't gotten enough of them in, in recent years. Yeah, you definitely need to land a couple of the big prospects, especially some of the local talent. Um, okay, let's, uh, before we talk about the Steelers, what's your current top four right now in college football? Uh, well, I almost put Alabama number one in my latest, latest ballot, but I ended up with Clemson. Clemson why, why didn't you put Alabama one? I was going to, but then they had the injury to the, the wide receiver. You know, his name escapes me right now. Um, Jalen, uh, Jalen Waddle? Well, yeah. And that, he's one of the best wide receivers in the country. Uh, he's so good, I can't even remember his name. So do you, do you have any thoughts on what Nick Saban said? I'm not sure if you saw his quote of his interview uh, when, Waddle, when Waddle got hurt. Um, they asked uh, Saban about the injury, and Saban essentially said that. Waddle made the wrong decision to take the ball out of the end zone on the kickoff and it ended up costing him. Do you think that's a bit of a scumbag move by Saban or is that just who he is and he can say whatever the hell he wants? He's who he is and he can say what he wants. Uh, you know, if Waddle was told, you know, not to, you know, just stand back there in case the ball bounces and don't return to prevent an injury, yeah, he probably shouldn't have done that. But, you know, a lot of times in games, uh, you know, in Alabama wins games by so many points these days that they really don't need those special teams touchdowns to win, but sometimes you do need them, you know, and uh, you know, maybe you told Waddle, you, you know, don't take, take it out of the end zone unless you have a real good 
Elaine, you see that you can make it, maybe take it to the house. But, uh, you know, Sam can say what he wants. And, you know, maybe Water feels bad that he, I'm sure he does feel bad that he did take it out. But, but uh, he probably shouldn't have said it. Uh, he's saving. He can say what he wants. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So I had the four, one of my top four. I got I had Notre Dame three, and uh, now you're going to, that's my, I think Georgia four. Georgia four, not Ohio State. I mean, it was Ohio State four. I have to look it up. Yeah, it's still so early. One of the, like some, a bunch of these yeah. teams will eventually have one loss. And... I think I, you're right. I think it was Ohio State four, and then Georgia might have been five. Um, but I, I, I think next week I'm going to watch the results real closely. Clemson plays Boston College. They're 31 point favorite, by the way. Um, if they can cover that spread, it'd be hard to keep Clemson out of number one. I, I think Clemson's very good, best quarterback in the country, Trevor Lawrence. Uh, but they, Mac Jones is doing a hell of a job at Alabama too. Yeah, yeah, he is. Mac Jones looks super impressive too. At the beginning of this year, um, I thought, okay, Mac Jones will just be an average quarterback. Like he, they still put up points when Tuba was hurt uh, last year, but damn, was I ever wrong? He's been so impressive. Um, okay, let's uh, transition to uh, the Steelers. Is Ben Roethlisberger back? He's the, their offense has been pretty impressive this year. At the beginning of this year, I was worried about Pittsburgh. I thought they'd have issues moving the ball. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, he's not old, but he's a veteran. Uh, he's a bit chubby. He's not out of shape, but he's chubby. Um, <laughs> and and he got hurt with uh, he missed all pretty much all of last year with the elbow injury on a non-contact uh, play. So I was worried, but he's looking pretty good uh, this year. What are your, I guess, what are your thoughts on Big Ben and this Pittsburgh offense? He's looked very good. You know, for, for a guy coming off elbow surgery, you'd never know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he had a lot of time to recuperate because he had that injury early in the 2019 season. Uh, he, he's a veteran guy, a smart guy, still can throw the ball as well as anybody. By the way, he's the only quarterback in the uh, division who did not win a Heisman Trophy. So it's in- interesting that he's up against all these. Baker, guys. Lamar. And, uh, and Joe Burrow, oh, and, wow. uh, yeah. and Baker Mayfield. Yeah, uh, but uh, but he's better than all of them, I, I believe. And uh, we'll see this weekend when they play the play, play the Ravens against Jackson. By the way, Jack Lamar Jackson and Ben have never been in, in games together. Wow. And in, in Jackson's first two seasons, of course, last year Ben missed most of the season. The year two years before, a year, two years ago, Ben was playing Lamar for some reason didn't play against the Steelers. I can't remember why. Um, but uh, I think Ben is as good as he's, he's, he's been in any of his great seasons. Plus, he has a wealth of talent at wide receiver right now. With Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, the rookie from uh, Notre Dame, Chase Claypool, uh, Washington, uh, Dante Jackson, uh, Johnson, they've all, been, they've all been very, very good. And and now he has a tight end on Eric Ebron, catching some passes. And plus, James Conner is healthy. Right. Connor, you know, since he's been with the Steelers, a third round pick coming out of pit a few years ago, has had problems with staying healthy. And uh, this year he's healthy. And he's running as well as I've ever seen him run, running over people, which is what we saw him do at pit. Is uh, is Juju a true number one receiver in your eyes? Uh, he's, yeah, I think he is. Yeah, I think he is. The problem is, you know, and this is a, a, a question for after the season. His contract is up after the season. So is James Conner. And they got to figure out, you know, do they want to sign both of those guys? Can they afford to sign both of those guys with the salary cap probably going down after the season because of the, the revenue streams being dried up this season? Um, but Juju, I think, is as good. He at the end of that, at the end of the uh, Tennessee game, he didn't score, 
but he made a lot of big catches to keep the, the ball in, in, in the Steelers possession in that, in that fourth quarter, keep it away from Derrick Henry in Tennessee. So uh, Juju is um, as good as any receiver in the division for sure. I think. Um, and just looking over the numbers on their defense, uh, beyond impressive total yards are second in the league with 315 yards uh, against passing yards are sixth in the league with 217 yards or giving up to 217 yards. Rushing yards are second in the league, giving up 69 yards and points. Uh, they're sixth in the league, giving up 19.7 points per game without Devin Bush. I expected them to, uh, against Tennessee, maybe take a step back. Uh, but I guess in the first half, I was definitely wrong. In the second half, Tennessee was able to put up points. What, what do you see from this Pittsburgh defense moving forward for the rest of the year? Well, I, I think that the defense is strong in, in the front seven. I mean, probably as good a front seven as there is in the NFL, uh, you know, with, with uh, T.J. Watt and um, Bud Dupree, you know, rushing from the outside linebacker positions, and then Cam Hayward and, and, and Tewitt uh, in, the, in the inside, um, put, put a nice nice pass rush up the middle. Uh, they're going to miss uh, Devin Bush for sure. Uh, and Robert Spillane, you know, sort of a, a – a mediocre kind of linebacker for the most of his career. But I don't know if you saw the end of that game, end of the Tennessee game, uh, Tennessee was down on the goal line and Spillane filled a hole uh, when Derrick Henry tried to run through it. And he played and he, and he stuffed him. Very, very impressive. In fact, Spillane hurt his shoulder on that play, had to come out of the game. They say he's okay and he's going to be okay this week. But, uh, you know, Spillane is not a three down player. He's probably going to come out on, on th- most third downs. Um, but uh, I think this Stewart defense is as good as it's ever been. And the secondary is experienced, and they, they make plays. You know, Minka Fitzpatrick, uh, it's safety. They got him from the Dolphins for a number one pick. Uh, is playing well. And, and then Joe Hayden is, is an older guy, cornerback, but he's playing very well too. And Terrell Edmonds, their younger guy at safety, uh, is probably playing uh, having the best season of his career since he was the number one pick out of Virginia Tech, I believe. Yeah, yeah, he was him and his brother Tremaine Edmonds on the Bills. Um, okay, Jerry, I don't want to take too much of your time here, so just a couple more questions. Sure. Uh, too early, too early to say the Steelers are uh, Super Bowl favorites. Well, I think Kansas City is a favorite. I mean, <laughs> Patrick Patrick Mahomes is going to be a tough guy to stop. Uh, if Steelers played the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, I would I would bet on the Chiefs if I was a betting man. I think they can beat Baltimore this week. It's going to be a tough game down in Baltimore. Um, but I, w- I would think that the, the Chiefs should be the AFC favorite to go to, go to the Super Bowl again. Uh, yeah, the, this matchup against Baltimore is so interesting on so many different levels. Uh, one just that, that pops out to me is typically Baltimore crushes weaker teams and they struggle against teams um, who are just good, flat out. So I'll be really interested to see how, how Pittsburgh uh, – uh, plays uh, against Baltimore. Uh, just a lot of things to keep uh, keep an eye out on, on that matchup. Um, okay, we, it's we won't. Fun. It's always uh, fun when the Steelers play the Ravens. Yeah. So typically, divisional games are, are a bit closer. Do you do you see this uh, being a defensive matchup, being a close game, low scoring like the past, or do you see this as mm-hmm. more of a modern day football, high scoring affair? I think you might see some points scored in this game. You know, I don't know what the over under is, but. Uh, you know, with Jackson and Ben, you know, running running each offense, and the way the Steeler offense has been lately, you know, especially with the, in the passing game, I think the winner is going to have to score thirty points, in my opinion. Okay, maybe I'm wrong because uh, Jackson's going to be able to run around a little bit. Missing Devin Bush isn't going to help in this game because Bush gave the Steelers 
that the sideline to sideline speed that maybe Spillane doesn't give them. So Jackson might be able to gain some yardage on his own. Uh, and plus he has some weapons around him too. Uh, I, I think the, if, if Steelers win, they, they're going to have to score 30 points to do it, I think. So I, I think I know your answer to this question, but the four quarterbacks in the AFC North division, you have to win a game tomorrow, not uh, a year from now, not five years from now. Uh, you have to win a game tomorrow. Are you picking Big Ben? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Baker Mayfield as a competitor. Uh, you, you know, Burrow is a young guy. I think he's going to be a very good quarterback, but he's a rookie. Uh, and um, uh, yeah, the quarterback. Uh, Baker, Lamar, and Joe Burrow. Lamar, Lamar Jackson, of course. I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I, I would take Ben over Lamar. I, I, I just think he's a better thrower. Uh, he's more, more experienced. He's seen more things than Lamar has seen. Lamar is a good quarterback. Don't get me wrong. All, all three of those guys are very good quarterbacks. They're all much younger than Ben, obviously, and they're going to be playing for a long, long time and be very successful, maybe win some Super Bowls down the road. But for, for tomorrow, for this uh, this season, uh, I, would, I would take uh, Ben over anybody in the AFC, probably anybody in uh, the entire AFC except, uh, except Mahomes. Uh, so have you been at any games at Heinz Field this year? Just pit games. Uh, I don't. I don't cover the Steelers on, on a daily basis anymore. Uh, but I've been to all the. There's been five uh, pit games I've been to, and they, for the first time, they allowed fans in the in the stands. I guess the Steelers allowed fans in the stands for two games already, and uh, and the, the Notre Dame game was the first time that uh, pit fans were allowed in the stands. Do, does Pitt treat the media well? Like, do you guys get good snaps? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> as well, you know, we don't get the it's 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 a different world, you know, covering covering sports these days. You don't get the one-on-one reaction interaction with the players anymore or the coaches. You have to do Zoom uh, Zoom just like this one, which is fine. Mm-hmm. But we used to be able to go actually go down to the facility, uh, you know, bring the, the players would come into into the room and we'd be able to talk to them face to face. You know, and and we cover the Steelers, you, of course College locker rooms are always closed. You can't get in college locker rooms. But uh, but it, with the Steelers, and I covered the Steelers for 11 years, you can go walk right in the locker room and talk to anybody who's there and have and develop a personal relationship with, with some of those guys too, which you can't do nowadays because all you're doing are these Zooms. Yeah, it'll be really interesting to see if it ever goes back to the quote-unquote normal. Um, I don't think so. Okay, a couple more questions. Quickly on the Pirates, why? If I'm a Pirates fan, I need one thing to be optimistic uh, of. What? Give me one uh, reason to to be in a good mood if I'm a Pirates fan. Because outside of perspective, uh, look, I'm I'm not I, I'm I'm from Toronto. I'm not much to brag. I'm not uh, one to brag about the Toronto Blue Jays and their recent success. I guess they they've been pretty solid though the past couple of years yeah. building a foundation, and um, you know. Uh, Shapiro, the president of the Blue Jays, he doesn't spend any money. He drives the market nuts here. What's going on with Pittsburgh? Do they spend any any money? Are they just the uh, excuse my word uh, my my words here? But are they just the shittier version of the Rays? Uh, what what exactly is going on in Pittsburgh? Excuse me. Um, no, they don't spend money. They don't, they don't spend money on free agents. They they spend money on developing. And then I, I know Ben Sherrington, their new GM, has really made a, a point. Uh, to scour the international market. Uh, he's made a couple of trades, which they brought back international market pool money, which helped them sign some of these guys from, from the Orient uh, and from the Dominican, especially. Um, 
But your initial question was why should you be optimistic? I think the main reason to be optimistic about the Pirates is Key Brian Hayes, the third baseman who they brought up in uh, September. Um, I, th- I think he's going to be a star. Uh, he, he, he runs like an athlete. Uh, he, he is a great athlete. He's a great glove at third base. That was a thing about him in the minor leagues. <clears throat> People were concerned he wouldn't hit enough, that he was just a glove. But he is a very good glove, maybe the best glove at third base the Pirates have had in a long, long time. But he also hit like crazy in September. He had a, he had a great month of September with the bat. He looks like a star. And he, he, he speaks well. I've, I've been on uh, conference calls with him. Uh, he seems like a smart kid uh, who understands, you know, what it takes to be successful. His father, Charlie Hayes, of course, you know, played in the, in the majors for a long, long time. Um, I think Brian Hayes is going to be a star in, in the mold of Andrew McCutcheon. And whether he can carry the team like McCutcheon did and be an MVP, I don't know yet. I don't know that yet. But uh, he showed some power. Hit the ball over the fence a few times in September. Uh, he, the problem with, with uh, Hayes this season was he had COVID uh, in July, and that set him back, and he and that was part of the reason they didn't bring him up until September. If he had been there the whole season and played in 55 or 60 games, um, it would have been – he might have been a guy that people would have noticed a little bit more. But he's, he's going to be a star. He's going to be the guy that the, the Pirates are going to have to build their team around, him and Josh Bell. You know, if Josh Bell is here for the for the long haul, and a lot of people don't think he will be, just because with the money that's going to be involved. Um, but uh, between if they can keep Josh Bell, and then they they got they got Hayes at third base, um, they're, they're, they still have to do something about their pitching staff. <laughs> and you know, I don't know what's going to happen with their with their closer. You know, they don't, really don't have a closer on this team anymore. Keone Kella uh, was supposed to be their closer. Uh, but he had an injury plague season. They might have pitched in five games the entire season. So uh, they got a lot of problems, you know, and the center <laughs> field is, is a huge problem. You know, they traded Starling Star- Marte for two 19-year-olds, which might be good five years from now, but it's not good right now. So right. got to find a center fielder in the offseason too. All right, so it doesn't sound like we're too high on the Pirates right now. Uh, quickly on, on the Penguins, uh, is this a uh, – uh, if you want to walk the walk, you got to talk the talk kind of kind of year for Pittsburgh. They they just fired a lot of their – I think all of their assistant coaches. They had a ton yeah. of turnover on the roster. Roster, um, front office, and the coaching staff, right? Yeah, so I, I guess there's a couple different ways to, to ask you this or to, to angle this question. But if, if Pittsburgh flunks out again in the playoffs this year or even if they don't make the playoffs, do you think that they'll potentially get rid of either Crosby or Malcolm? Uh, well – both those guys are on the other end of 30, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I, I think especially Crosby, they still have a lot of years left. Uh, no, I don't think they're going to get, if they don't make the playoffs this year, uh, and maybe they, they might use Malcolm as trade bait. And I doubt, I thought it would be Crosby though. Huh. Um, but they'd have to get a great return. That's trouble when you try to trade these stars, you know, you, you can't, can never get the kind of return you want to match what these stars can bring to the team. Um, they, they, the Penguins, I, I believe, have smart guys up top. Jim Rutherford's a smart GM. He's won two Stanley Cups, three Stanley Cups, I guess, one in, in uh, Carolina. Yep. Um, and then I think Mike Sullivan is one of the best coaches in the NHL. And I, I think he'll get this team back on top. I think they'll make the playoffs. Uh, don't, don't understand why they you know, got get eliminated so early in the last two years. So I had, I had uh, money on Pittsburgh this year to come out of the East. My logic was – 
they play the round raw. Uh, they they're not playing the round robin uh, round of of games, so they got to focus and they got to buckle down, and they'll have to compete against Montreal and then get some momentum. Those they'll cruise by Montreal and they'll be playing with <laughs> playing with purpose, so they'll be able uh, have an advantage in their next rounds. And obviously, I was wrong on that. So. Uh, yeah, I was definitely really disappointed with Pittsburgh this year. But yeah, it's a great question. Like, why do you think they they were such a disappointment in, in the bubble? Uh, I think I, I really can't tell you. I think I think they never really figured out what kind of team they wanted to be. I, I think Solid wants them to be disciplined, uh, you know, conservative. Uh, you know, the kind of team that doesn't give up a lot of easy goals. But they have some guys who like to run up the ice and get out and get and the attack on the other end. And maybe that leaves some uh, seams and some holes on the defensive end. Um, okay. So quickly on pit basketball, is Jeff Cable an overrated coach? No, no. I think he's, he's, he's a great coach. I, I think he's a great man, you know, smart guy. Um, <clears throat> uh, very, the, 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 the word I use to describe Jeff Cable is, is adult. He's a very mature, he makes, he's a, he's authoritarian authoritarian figure i think when he would walk into a to a living room of a recruit he would make he made, i'm sure he makes a great impression he makes a great impression just in our interviews with him but talking to parents and talking to kids i think he makes he make a great impression uh smart guy you know comes from you know duke where they they invented basketball right in the duke you know so he really knows what it takes to build a winning college basketball team and the pit basketball was so far down under under Kevin Stallings, you know, it just it just was a shame that the, the, the program, you know, was um, was allowed to uh, get that far down and then languish at the bottom of the ACC standings for so long. That was really an embarrassment. Second season under Stallings was really an embarrassment, uh, and it should never happen at a school like Pitt. And they've they've slowly gotten a little bit better each year. This will be Capel's third season, and he had a pretty good recruiting class coming in. There are some freshmen coming in. Uh, it, it, it for this Ithiel Horton transfer from Delaware. They think he's going to be a really good guard. Um, he's going to be able to add, a, add some scoring punch from the outside that they didn't really have last year. You know, losing Trey McGowan's probably isn't going to hurt them as much as you might think because McGowan's and Xavier Johnson were kind of the same player, uh, a slashing kind, kind of guy that really wasn't um, really went great outside shots. But with Horton, I think they might have a, a chance to, to hit some hit some more three pointers, and they're also big. Going to be bigger this year. John Ugly, uh, their freshman, is a six foot nine or six foot ten, uh, two hundred and forty pound guy. That's going to give them a presence underneath the board they haven't had for a long time. That's a big boy. Um, so, if college basketball ends up uh, having a season this year, are you, you're optimistic with Pittsburgh because I know last year was a bit of a step back for them. It was uh, kind of a disappointment. Yeah, it was the second half of the season. It was. I'm optimistic as far as them maybe getting close to the goes to the middle of the ACC rather than to the bottom. I don't I don't think they're going to win it or anything like that or be in the top three or four. But uh, he's building this program, and he knew when he took the job that it was going to be a major rebuilding project. And I really think that uh, he'll be able to get them closer to the top of the ACC in maybe two or three years. This year, uh, it's going to be a funny year because first of all. They don't even have a schedule. We don't have a schedule that I've seen. So they're supposed to start on November the 25th. But, you know, God knows if they'll actually do that. You know, um, you know who are they going to play in, in non-conference? 
how many conference games are they going to play? Uh, you know, they're going to have some games canceled. I mean, you know, COVID has canceled a lot of things. Uh, I feel bad for my, for, for the former pit coach, Paul Chris at Wisconsin, he, his game against Nebraska is, is canceled this weekend. They're not making it up. And, you know, when basketball season starts, there's going to be some of those happening too. Now at Pitt, I got to give Pat Narduzzi credit uh, for the first two weeks of the season. He had some, some COVID cases. Some kids had to sit out the game and go into quarantine for a while. But after the second game, Pitt has had zero, zero COVID cases on their entire team and their entire staff uh, after week two, which is pretty impressive. So you would assume that Jeff Capel's basketball team will be able to do the same thing. These kids are really taking it seriously. I know I mentioned Jimmy Morrissey a while back. They're all ACC center. I was talking to him one day before the season about what he does to avoid COVID. And he, he says, I go nowhere. I go to practice. I go to my apartment. And I don't deviate from that straight line at all. I think all my classes are online. I think most of the team has taken most of their classes online. So they don't even get to mingle with the rest of the population. And that's how you get zero COVID cases. So I assume if basketball does the same thing, they should be okay too. Okay, Jerry, that's great. Thank you so much for hopping on. I'd love to do this again sometime with you. Uh, talk about pit football later on the season, get an update from you later on then. We'll see how um, it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Jerry, thank you so much. I'd love to do it again. Um, all the best. Okay. My pleasure. Thank you. All right. Have a good one.